Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, a place for adolescent and family healing. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If your family is struggling and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their trained professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. We really want our women to be wild and free, um, that your wife and her most vibrant self um, is not only the best thing for her and the best thing for the kingdom of God, but it's also really the best thing for you. Um, It's the best thing for your family. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Josh. I am Jimmy, and this is Paradox. And we are so excited to have Jess Conley on the show with us. Jess, how are you doing? So good. So glad to be here. Excellent. Well, Could I ask her one thing real quick? (laughs) Sure. Now you're in Charleston. Can you see the ocean from where you're talking right now? Listen, I wish. I oh. wish. It's not it's not that great, but I did go this it's not morning. That great. So can I you won't smell it? You. Can you smell the ocean from where you're talking? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I can and I can walk about fifty yards and see the marsh, if that counts. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll, we'll take a marsh. Yeah, we'll take in Austin, it. we'll take anything moist. <laughs> Uh, Jess is a, a mom, a blogger. She's also a wife, a writer, entrepreneur, author, and speaker. Her latest book that came out this year is Wild and Free. Uh, can you give us a little detail about the book? Absolutely. Um, it's really, um, we like to say it's an anthem. It's not a to-do list. It's not a guidebook. Um, it's really an anthem for the modern Christian woman who feels um, trapped, scared, caged in any and every way. Um, And it was really kind of like a love letter that Haley, uh, my co-author, and I wrote to one another, wrote for each other and wrote for women that we knew. Um, Because we just saw women across America really struggling with living free and kind of stepping into the wild identity that that is described in the Bible for women of God. Um, I I read through your anthem and... uh... Love it. You guys are a couple of wordsmiths. Very, very nice. Oh, thank you. There were there were a couple of things that I wanted to ask. First, you said the world may tell us that we're too much or never enough. What do you mean by the world can tell us that we're too much or that women are not are never enough? Yeah. Well, you guys are dads. So I'm curious. Um, I don't know if you have daughters. I think you do. Do both oh, of you yes. have daughters? Yes. Okay. So I'm I'm a mom as well, and I have a daughter, and I have found myself. I just wrote a book where the tagline inclu- includes the phrase, you know, for the woman who feels like she's too much and never enough. And I find myself saying to my daughter, you are too much. You are too much. You are too much. <laughs> um, and I have to just constantly pause and say, like, oh, I am a part of the problem. Um, <laughs> I think that that's, I think that's where it starts. I think that as girls, um, as young girls, when we start um, not necessarily sinning, so we're not talking about sin or disobedience, um, we're not talking about rebellion, but we're talking about um, just from a really early age when 
young girls step outside the boundaries of what is culturally appropriate, depending on what culture they are currently in, um, they're, they're told one of those two things. Either you did not meet expectation here, or you stepped out of line and you were too much. Um, and, and we really see this, you know, just immediately with girls. You're too loud. You're too quiet. Um, you're too funny. You're not. You, you're too much of a wallflower. You're too big. You're too little. Um, just, just really early on, but it only increases right until um, adulthood. And so, um, what we found is that a lot of women are so comfortable with those phrases that it's kind of gotten mixed in with um, sin and righteousness and identity to the point where we we think it's almost holy to kind of weigh those things out. Well, it's too much here. Or it's not enough here. Um, when really those aren't things that I, you guys can totally disagree, but it's not things that we see men feeling as much. Um, but women kind of walk into a room and walk into a situation and walk into a culture and are constantly sizing up how they fit and how should they fit in. Very nice. So, so really, Goldilocks is sort of y'all's poster child. For <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know, no one's ever made that connection, but you're a hundred percent right. I yes, like absolutely. Leave it, leave it to Jimbo. And then one other thing, and I love this. You said that women can, in Christ, walk wildly and rest freely. Explain those two things. Yeah. So when we talk about walking wildly, and really anytime we reference wild, we we're trying to redeem the word wild, right? We're not, um, we're not saying wild like you might see, um, you know, in the world or with non-believers. We're saying wild as, as in when God makes something um, and sets it in a place and um, gives it everything it needs. So when we look at an animal, um, you know, he has made it. He's made it to sustain itself or for him to sustain it. Um, and getting back to that kind of Eden, Eve, original identity of um, if we have enough in Christ, if we have enough in God, then what does it look like to walk wildly in that and not be on this constant quest to get better or to fit in or to measure up? Um, and when we talk about rest, resting freely, um, again, it kind of goes back to the too much, never enough. If, if we find that a lot of women who struggle to walk wildly, um, they struggle to maybe take up the space that, that God's given them in their own life. And, and women who rest freely or who need to rest freely or need to hear that they can do that are women who are just constantly spinning and striving and trying to do enough to take up the space that God's given them. Um, but two things that we found a lot of women vacillate back and forth, maybe even within the same day, like struggling with both. Um, a lot of women struggle with one or the other, but yeah, really just getting back to like resting in that identity that God gave us and then resting in the work that Jesus did on the cross. So why do women get bound? Is it, is it original sin? Is it kind of what you were talking about? Our culture kind of puts that on individuals. Is it kind of the insecurities that's found within any woman? Why do, why do women get bound? I think you've hit it. I mean, I think you've hit it on the head. Number one, I, I absolutely think it's original sin. I mean, I think the, the enemy is the number one accuser. Um, I think that also as culture has shifted um, over the last 100, 100 years, 200 years, a woman's place in culture has really shifted a ton and, and man's place hasn't shifted as much. And so I think this issue is exacerbated for women because of that. 
we've seen all the different revolutions that um, even just our own country has gone in and the different kind of burdens that's placed on women, whereas men, it's always kind of been what it was in the garden. you got to provide. you got to work. you got to provide. Yeah. Um, and we see women kind of going through all these different things. And so I think that's part of why it's a little bit more of an issue um, right now for women. Um, but I, I also do think it's culture. I think that we've also developed a fear about women in general. I think that we find this really prevalent in the church, and I think it's why we should be leading the charge for our women, um, that there's kind of this fear-based attitude towards women. How are they going to mess it up? How are they going to, um, you know, turn things awry? Are they going to take things out of control? Are they going to take it too far? Um, and so I think just kind of reclaiming a little bit of, of the trust that we get to walk in as daughters of God and as women who live under the banner of the gospel um, is a huge part of that. So what what is important for husbands to understand about all of this, and how can husbands help facilitate uh, this change within their wives? Oh, that's such a good question, and I just am so grateful you asked that. Um, you know, I I— I was in a, actually in a radio interview or something like that a few months ago, and I had a I was being interviewed by a man, and um, he he was trying so hard to understand the concept of the, of the book, but he acknowledged that my husband's a pastor, and he was like, "You're a pastor's wife," and um, he said, "You know, have you is your husband does your husband ever just want you to stop being wild and free? Like, does he ever just feel like you've taken it a little too far?" Um, you know, what about his, what about his board of elders? What about the deacons in your church? Do they ever wish you were just a little less wild and a you little less deacon free? Card? He pulled well, out the deacon card. Obviously, this went is there. why women are supposed to be silent in the church. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all agree. Yeah, yeah right. And so I just took a minute to compose myself. And my honest answer is, you know, I think that. I think that the honest answer, I think what my husband would say if you were interviewing him, is he would say, we really want our women to be wild and free. Um, that your wife and her most vibrant self um, is not only the best thing for her and the best thing for the kingdom of God, but it's also really the best thing for you. Um, it's the best thing for your family. And so, again, I'm not really sure where the fear really came in with women that like, um, and I would, and I would tell you as husbands and as men that you should know that women, women perceive that and we know that it's there and sometimes it's spoken and sometimes it's not. Um, but there's this kind of underlying fear that if women really, um, walk wild with the Lord, if they're really, you know, as Jesus see on the inside or on the outside, as they feel on the inside, that something's going to go awry or it's going to be too much or the kids aren't going to get taken care of or, um, you know, just not too wild and not too free, right? Because you got to keep things tidy. And It seems like it's feminism, but the opposite of feminism. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly what it is. When people would say, so like you've written a Christian feminism book, I would say like, no, we've really written a book about the Lord. Yeah. I mean, we've really written a book yeah. about who God is. It's almost like the true feminism, like real feminism. Yeah. And wouldn't you really just really want that for your wife? I mean, wouldn't you really want her to take it too far? And um, so I would say something that husbands could just know is that um, 
you know, I, I tell women all the time, I'm a, I'm a huge 100% believer in, in headship and submission. And I need my husband to lead me in walking wild with the Lord. I need him to give me permission sometimes. I need him to push me um, towards the Lord and towards freedom. Um, and I can do those things on my own and I can do them with other women, but it means the world to me when he kind of pushes me to that just vibrant faith with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've heard, um, again, you know, subconsciously and also sometimes just very literally as women, um, that we should almost restrain ourselves or hold ourselves back a little bit to make space for men spiritually. And um, I would just say we don't ever see that truth told anywhere biblically, that if women are a little bit less or if we hold back a little bit, or if we restrain ourselves where it pertains to um, walking with the Lord, um, that men will show up more. I think, I think actually what we find is that when women show up and be their, their very wild and free selves, and when they have strong relationships with Jesus, and when they have good communion with him, and uh, when they have identities that are rooted in the gospel and um, and and God's word, that they bring freedom and they make space for men to show up and be the exact same. And so um, I told that man that day, you know, my husband would tell you that, no, he would never ask me to be less wild and free. And it's actually never been bad for him that I be um, my full self in Jesus and that I, and that I really step into the place that's been purchased for me in the kingdom. It's good for our marriage. It's good for our intimacy. It's good for my mothering. It's good for our finances. It's good for everything. And it's also very good for me and it's very good for the kingdom. So how do we pass this kind of wild and free mentality down positively to our, to our daughters? How do we pass it down generationally? Oh, such a good question. Um, I think paying attention, asking guys to, asking God to open our eyes and, and pay attention like from an early age with daughters. Um, what we have to really look, I think, to see like some, some of the pressures are very evident, but some of them aren't. Um, what are our daughters feeling? Um, and I think that, that, that innate sense in us that wants to contain and control things is so natural, right? I mean, I'm a, I'm a planner. I'm not, there's no part of me that's free spirit. So I want to contain and control and plan everything that I can. And I have to watch with my daughter. Am I trying to contain and control who she is? And am I mistaking certain things about her personality for sin? Or am I labeling things on her that are good or bad that really God would not have called good or bad that maybe he's just made her to be? Um, so for example, if she talks a lot, she's a big talker. Um, am I shading that in any way in her life, kind of telling her that she should be more quiet or that she should not have so much to say, or that she shouldn't have as many thoughts, or am I really giving that place in her life and giving that part of her personality freedom and then letting it be, you know, submitted to like, when do you talk and how loud should your voice be and those types of things. Um, so I think we, I think as parents, it's really important that we look and we, and we ask God to give us eyes to see, um, you know, even from an early age, what are, what are the cages that are, that our daughters are being asked to step into and how do we kind of help them resist those? And so you also mentioned, so we're talking about kind of women being bound and kind of caught up, um, and possibly part of that is insecurities in your blog. You've written about some body image issues, some insecurities, 
kind of speak to those for a few seconds and then uh, kind of share how did that or how can that potentially affect a marriage? Oh, man, such a big, such a big question. and such a great one. Um, well, yeah, body image has been a large part of my story. Um, my very earliest memory ever is um, is riding in the back of my parents' car, which this is before there were car seats. And I remember I was laying down in the back of the car and um, running my hand along a Barbie doll and running my hand along the side of my body and realizing, like, these two things are very different. Like, I wish that this was the same. And um, that was really the beginning of just a long 30-year battle of um, – of of learning to reject what culture says is beautiful because um, right now our our top um, image of beauty in our culture is actually pretty unhealthy, pretty unhealthy for women um, and not attainable for most of them. Um, and we, I think we mix it up a lot in the church and in Christianity where it almost becomes holy and seen as good and righteous to fit into that. So that's been a large part of walking wild and walking free for me. Um, and I think it plays a huge part in marriage. Um, and I think it takes a strong man to kind of enter in and say, you know, not only am I going to fight this with you, um, not only am I going to just tell you you're pretty uh, and I'm, you know, I'm going to not just dismiss your feelings. I'm going to enter in with you. I'm going to realize that this is a struggle that I don't understand um, it's a struggle that I don't necessarily feel the same way as you do. And I think you look fine. I think a lot of husbands are like, but you look great. You're fine. It's great. Yeah. That can almost be dismissive, perceived dismissive. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think the best thing a husband can do to fight with a, a wife is, is to just like point her to Jesus constantly to remember, you know, dismissing isn't really the answer. And, um, trying to encourage your wife by just telling her she's pretty also isn't the answer because that almost points her back to another cage that it's okay if you're prettier. Um, you sure. know, you might feel one way about your body, but your hair is so great. Um, that, that's a kind of reinforcing that lie that our value is found in our beauty. And so I think just like running back to the feet of Jesus with her constantly and pointing to her massive worth in Christ um, is huge. And maybe even like thinking about it the same way you would want um, your wife to encourage you with career or with, um, you know, status in the world. If she was constantly saying like, well, it's okay that you didn't get that promotion because this thing is going to happen. Um, then you would feel pressure about that thing, <laughs> you know, or um, we'll try again next year to, you know, make more money. And then you're like, Oh, I'm still on the hook. But you know, when a woman can come to a husband and say, Hey, I want to remind you that God's our provider and um, he sees you and he honors you. And here are the gifts that he's given you, but mostly we trust him. And I don't, I don't need you to provide and show up and be all the things because he's going to do that through us. I think, um, I think kind of just pointing her without wild freedom that, that he really is the most beautiful thing about her is, is such a gift. So in our last couple of minutes, um, tell us about your company. It is the Amen Paper Company. Yeah. Um, well, Amen Paper Company was born um, out of really just a massive need to have God's word written on the walls of my home. And my husband and I were going through a really rough season a few years ago. And we had just post-it notes of scripture all over our walls. And my husband was like, listen, there's got to be a better way. Like, I know you know how to, like, make something fun on the computer that we could print out on paper. 
Um, so we don't wouldn't have like eight million post-it notes everywhere. I was like, you're right. That's that's why. So um, without any kind of business background or design background, I hopped on the computer and made what was then a print, but I didn't even know to call it a print. I just called it, you know, the scripture that I printed out on paper um, and started putting those in frames around our house. And a friend said, you should sell those. You should see if other people want to buy those. And um, out of that was born this really crazy family business that now we get to run together. And my husband's a full-time pastor, but um, also helps run this business. And we've um, brought other people in to help us run it. And so it's just been a blast to paint scripture on the walls of people's homes and hear how it permeates into their hearts and their lives. Guys, if you want more information about Jess, go to JessConley.com. You can also find more about our company at AmenPaperCompany.com. And you can find her on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's at Jess A. Conley. Jess, thank you so, so much. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Yes, thank you. And when you have a bowl of she crab soup, I want you to think. Oh, about <laughs> I will. I'll take a picture yeah. and send it to you guys. Thank you. Please do. <laughs> thank thank you, you so much. Take care. Bye. Okay. How great is she? I totally wanted to ask her how you can help your wives become more wild and free in bed. You know, I would I would think you would think that because it was on every guy's mind. But see, so not mine. <laughs> but then again. I'm holier. And you're approaching 60. Okay, I got to take a minute. Um, But I just wanted to, I obviously didn't want her to answer it, but I was just wanted to throw it out there and leave it hanging to see how she would have responded. But I chickened out. Thank you. <laughs> you wouldn't have liked me doing no. that? No. Oh, she okay. was so sweet. She you would was do that to incredible. Her. Uh, well, one of the last things she said is, is I think one of the nuggets to take away for husbands to constantly remind their wives that Christ is the most beautiful thing about her. Yes. Ah, that's to, nice. con- to put, uh, cause when we just say dismissingly, you know, you're beautiful. She, that puts my thoughts as kind of the authority Well, you should just believe it. Cause I believe it. Right. But if we point her to a higher authority. Christ, she can't question that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's an appropriate good way to pull out the yeah, God card. He's the most beautiful thing about you. Whew, that's good. And then the other that I that I'd written down were the cages that we ask our daughters to step into. And I thought it was interesting that it wasn't these are the cages that we throw our daughters into. These are the cages that we ask them to willingly step into. Um, that was poignant. And very true. And I, I, th- I think she's uh, dead on accurate because um, we do treat young boys and young girls differently. Uh, you know, and I'm just thinking of one little three-year-old Ruthie that is too much. <laughs> but she's not too much. Mm-hmm. She's just great. She's she perfect. is who she is. I loved her insight for husbands and guys. Obviously, her her book is more women-centric, but it is incredibly valuable for you to also understand these things about your wives, um, that your wives have, uh, just like you do, um, original sin, built-in insecurities, and to know that we actually need to encourage them to be a little bit more wild and a little bit more free, and that's what's best for our family. That's what's best for our relationship, that if she can drop the change of the insecurities and, and, and being bound um, by those things, um, that it can really help our family flourish. 
it's almost like women never had a chance between, you know, the, the Puritan mindset uh, of Protestantism, you know, in America and uh, just the patriarchal, you know, view of things. Uh, we, I think we do. We come into the world. Well, we've said it before. When you're, when you're raising children, you prepare the boys and you protect the girls. I mean, there's just this mindset that's innate within us yep. to, to, and I know that they are different. Of course they're different. Um, but we do sort of want to cage the girls somewhat. And that's a great way of phrasing it. Guys, if you want more about this episode, uh, go to paradoxpodcast.com and check out our show notes there. Um, you can also find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's Doc's Podcast. You can find me, Josh, at those three platforms. It's Doc Josh Myers. On Facebook, it's Dr. Jimmy Myers. And on Twitter and Instagram, it's at J Myers Fan. Guys, have a good day. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. and researched by Dr. Jimmy and Dr. Josh Myers. Special thanks to Life Austin Church in Austin, Texas, and our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Gar. To find out more about the Paradox and to sign up for email updates, go to our website, paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. And so now I think over the last couple of years, the trend that I love seeing and, and I'm um, just fired up about is the the, the remarriage of both of um, emotion and theology, of putting those things back together.